This episode is brought to you by R1RCM, a leading provider of technology-driven solutions that transform the financial performance of hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. R1 delivers proven, scalable operating models that power sustainable improvements to net patient revenue while reducing operating costs. To learn how you can build a future-ready revenue cycle today, visit us at www.r1rcm.com beckers. Hello and welcome to the Beckers Hospital Review Podcast. My name is Will Riley from R1RCM. With me in the podcast studio today is Phil Kambik. Phil is President and Chief Executive Officer at Riverside Healthcare. Welcome, Phil. Thank you. Welcome. Um, let's start by learning a little bit more, please, about you and about Riverside. Sure. Um, I'm President CEO. I've been CEO for about 18 years at Riverside. have been there almost 38 years, so most of my career. Um, Riverside is a suburban slash rural hospital. We're licensed for about 300 beds. Um, more of our revenue comes from the outpatient side of things versus the inpatient side of things. So we're transitioning. We are a standalone integrated delivery system. And by that, I mean that we have our hospital, but we have lots and lots of outpatient services along our continuum. Uh, we are, we're even in the post-acute care space with our own uh, independent living, assisted living, skilled nursing facility, we employ physicians. We actually have uh, medical residency programs and fellowship programs. So we have a very broad spectrum of services that we offer. Hmm. Excellent. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. We want to talk today about some of the, the big issues that are facing health systems as we transition into 2024 and get into the new year. Um, I'd like to start with a really meaty one, if that's okay, sure. which is the relationship with um, payers. Right. We know that that's an area that's always complex, can be challenging and so on. But over the last couple of years, it seems that those relationships have become, if anything, more contentious. Yeah. Uh, do you agree with that? How is that? You know, how I, you do, I do agree with that. We experienced some of that. Um, part of it is shame on us as providers. Um, the payers are smart. They know a lot more about us than we know about them. And, and again, we have data. We just don't look at that data. And and so I'm on a big kick this year. This year is my, uh, you manage what you measure. And if we're not measuring the payer's performance, then we're not managing them. And so again, what, what I'm trying to do at my organization is how do we get better at measuring ourselves and what the payers are seeing? Because they know a lot about us, like I said. Um, so do we, know, do we know our denials, the cause of denials, the worst payers, the best payers? That's almost like a black hole to us. And we're just now starting to get our arms around that. Do you think that's then key to holding payers accountable to? Yeah, absolutely. How, how do you, how do I tell you I have expectations of you yeah. if I don't even know what those expectations are? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are you seeing sort of fallout from that increased friction in the relationship in terms of things like? increases in denials and payment slowdowns. Oh, yeah. We're certainly you know, seeing that in our data. Oh, sure. And and again, as more payers have gotten into Medicare Advantage, right, they are they are paying less than what Medicare does, right? Because they're denying care a lot. And and again, we haven't been quick enough on the on the uptake to figure that out and to figure out why. Yeah. And so again, now we're starting to get that data. We're starting to push back a little bit. What what 
let's talk more about that but before that tell us a bit more about some of the consequences of that then because presumably it results in a lot of administrative work for both your finance oh. team your clinicians and, and so on is that oh absolutely yeah. our whole our, you know we have a whole denials management team we have a whole revenue integrity department that we didn't have five six years ago so we've had to develop new new job positions just to get paid what we should be getting paid from the payers right from the managed care companies whether that's Medicare, uh, managed care, Medicaid managed care, or your traditional insurance companies. Wow. Yeah. So it's a big investment for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are you using technology as well to help with You that? know, we, we are. We're an Epic shop. Okay. And Epic has a product called Payer Platform. Mm -hmm. uh, we've really embraced that we're probably one of the best users of player of Payer Platform in the country. So we've we've been working with our payers. Humana's probably been the best. Um Blue Cross of Illinois, every Blue Cross is different, has been a little bit of a struggle, but we're at least uh, with the payer platform, sending them ADT data. We're sending them data. So if there's medical record requests or if there's what have you, it automatically goes. Um, so we, we're using an Epic tool to get better mm -hmm. at communicating with them. And as we enter in those conversations, you develop relationships and then you can ask for other things, right? Yes. I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, yeah. is that what it really comes down to is... Yes, you need the data, you need to be well informed, but ultimately it's about a relationship, right? Oh, absolutely. Everything in life is, I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let's switch gears a little and talk about the regulatory environment, if we can. Uh, you're working at the intersection of local regulations, state uh, yeah. regulations, federal uh, regulations. There must be inconsistency there. Uh, how do you find your way through that? And is there yeah. any way to be proactive? Um, <clears throat> Again, very simply, I've been very active with Illinois Hospital Association, right? Mm -hmm. They do some good work. And I've, I'm past chair of uh, IHA a few years ago. I was on the board for a long, long time. Uh, I'll come, go back on the board soon. But again, I tell all of my administrators, all of my directors, find your cart counterpart at IHA, get additional resources involved. And then companies like R1, we outsource various things from a denials management standpoint, from a, um, a physician education standpoint. So there's a lot of resources out there. There's a cost, of course, to most of it, but but that's what we have to do if we wanna stay relevant, if we wanna stay up on all the all the changes. Yeah, and do you, presumably you find collaborating with your peer health systems in your area essential to all of yeah. this. Yeah, we, we are a member, Riverside is a member of the Rush system, of, of the Rush Health. And so Rush Health is a clinically integrated network in, in the Chicago market, Rush University Medical Center is the academic. You have Rush Copley out in Aurora, Rush Oak Park, and then Riverside. We're the only non-owned hospital. We're still independent, but we still share data. We still do contracting together. We still uh, measure quality against each other. Um, and so those are always good resources to help us as well. Yeah, got you. What about the patient experience? Can we talk yeah. a little bit about that? Patients have changed or, well, I don't, that's the right way to say it. Their expectations have changed over the last 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, they're more technology adapts, probably changing in other ways as well. Yeah. How have you seen changing yeah. patient expectations you know, manifest? I think it's, it's interesting and, and uh, maybe my daughter will hear this. I'm holding a cell phone. Yeah. My daughter doesn't want to talk to anybody. She wants to get on her cell phone and she wants to use an app. So again, we've embraced my chart, 
right through Epic. Yeah. And it's been a great tool for us. You can get on, you can, you can schedule an appointment with your primary care doctor. You can schedule an appointment with your um, specialist. You can schedule a CT scan on my chart. So we've really developed those schedules to make it easy and convenient for the patient. Uh, when you take a look at our, our primary care group, 70% of our patients are on my chart. And that's a phenomenal number. Yes. And so, so again, that's how we communicate with them back and forth. I can schedule my own doctor's appointment and we have all the features turned on. I walk, I, if I'm going to get an MRI, I got one on my knee, whatever, whatever, um, scheduled it, did all my consents on here, did everything on my phone. And I walk in, it tells the staff I'm here, ready for my MRI. They're saying, Mr. Kambik, uh, follow me. I go get my MRI. Very, very easy, convenient. That's what patients want. They also want access close to home. And so, again, we've created a lot of, we, we are in a, about five counties uh, south of Chicago, uh, and we created lots of different access points in smaller communities where people would have to drive 45, 50 minutes. Now they can get that same high quality care right in their own community. So we have really focused on how do we improve access to care for our patients? And that has uh, really been a, a phenomenal thing for us. Um, who wants to wait three weeks for an MRI scan or, or longer? So again, we have, we have streamlined and standardized all of our scheduling. So we get patients in much quicker than what we had before. And so again, lots of work have been, has been done around access to care and patient access making it easy. Excellent. Healthcare is always going to be a high touch industry, I think, as well as, well as sort of a high tech industry. Um, as you've introduced more technology as part of the experience to patients, how have you had to change your workforce? So how do you bring your workforce along with them too? Because yeah. they still need to be around to assist patients and right. help them. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, what I think you like? know, with, with workforce, we have reinvested significantly in uh, leadership training. Mm. We've uh, invested significantly in education for all staff. We do a comprehensive orientation. We do onboarding for all level, uh, for all levels of staff. So, so I think we've done a good job of laying out expectations, setting a culture that's really a service culture. Excellent. Okay. You mentioned a little bit about access and expanding access. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about your safety net strategies and how yeah. you're helping? Yeah, those that need it most, I guess. Right. We we've done a lot of things, and and uh, just as about two years ago we started, we were in a Medicare ACO, right? And so one of the big things with the Medicare ACO is that you get patients in for Medicare wellness visits, right? Mm -hmm. And and again, we've done very very well, very high with that. I'm like, why don't we do that same thing for our Medicaid patients, right? If you get the Medicaid patients in to a Medicaid wellness visit then you're gonna find stuff, right? You're gonna find it before it, it develops into something very serious. So we're at about 50% of all of our Medicaid patients come in for a Medicaid wellness visit. I wanna see that go up to about 65, 70%. Our Medicare is right about 70% right now. But again, just a way of proactively, how do we, how do we seek out those folks? Right. Um, in some of our clinics, uh, we have a few uh, indigent clinics, um, but we've created a food pantry. So in Illinois, there's something called the Northern Illinois Food Bank. That's a big food pantry up in the Chicago market. Mm -hmm. We are the first site, that, uh, first clinic site they've partnered with in Illinois. And so they stock our food pantry. We provide the medical care. We get these patients in and we give them healthy food to eat. 
and we've seen we've documented it. We've seen some tremendous improvement in in uh, in um, health measures, uh, cholesterol, blood pressure, those sorts of things because of this food clinic, our food pantry. So it's really been a neat thing. Um, so we've done a lot. We we work with a lot of the local schools, and we have a, a uh, we're big in behavioral health also, right? We've got an inpatient unit. We've got a lot of outpatient unit. We have a psych residency program. Um, so we train psychiatrists uh, at Riverside, but we have a school liaison program where we send counselors out to the schools, to the local high schools. And they, again, that's where it all starts, right? Mm -hmm. And so they work from a wellness standpoint with those kids. Many of those kids couldn't afford to come to the hospital or go to a psychiatrist or go get that kind of help. So we've done a lot of programs uh, really focused on that safety net population with behavioral health as well. Excellent. Phil, yeah. thank you so much. We're at the end of our time now. It's been yeah. wonderful to touch on all of those areas with you yeah. so quickly and effectively. Thank you for yeah. your time. Thank you very much for having me, Will. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah.